Hey, everybody. Welcome to HMH's Future of Transportation podcast. I'm John Halpin, and on this show, I am going to host regular chats with experts in the transportation industry. Joining me today, Paul Koza, former client, recently retired CEO of the North Carolina Ports Authority. With Paul having so much transportation experience, we thought we just wanted to talk to him about what he sees coming down the road in industries he's worked in and even industries he hasn't. Um, Paul, thanks a lot for joining me. I appreciate you being here. Thanks, John. Great to see you. I appreciate the opportunity and a lot going on all over the place with our present situation here with COVID as well as our economy, you know, still hanging in there. So thank you. Yes. Sounds like things are, we were talking before we started recording, sounds like things might be perking up soon, which is, which is good for everybody, you know, vaccine related and then, you know, relating to everything else, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's no question about which is good and we need it. As a country, we need it as a world. But interesting enough, especially as we talk about in the you know transportation logistics space, it's been a really interesting year with all this shifting to e-commerce and a lot of other types of challenges around the world. So exciting times in all ways, but uh, hopefully we get through this all and then people are staying healthy. Yep. All right, a little bit more background about Paul. He spent seven years leading North Carolina Ports where he remains as a senior advisor to the board of directors. He previously held leadership and senior management roles, CSL Group, Maersk, Sealand, which basically makes him as well-versed in shipping and transportation logistics as anybody we could possibly find. Um, he's also a graduate of the United States Military Academy at West Point. Thanks for your service, Paul. Didn't want to let you let us go without saying that. Thank you. Um, all right, let's get on. Let's get to the questions. And let's start with the shipping industry, um, since you're so familiar with that. How is innovation shaping that business, both short-term and long-term? Yeah, I think if it's good, I'm going to talk a little bit like broader total transportation, then specifically yep. on shipping on that one, which would be is, is of uh, good. You know, innovation in general of uh, transportation, especially in supply chain logistics, is moving at warp speed right now. Um, I, I'll talk to younger folks who are in the industry, and I think it's just probably the most interesting time to be there. A lot of this is happening because of e-commerce, because of technology revolution, all these things that is going on, and that's moving things at rapid speed. You know, the Amazons of the world, I, I love those guys and what they've done to transform of uh, logistics and the way that products get around, not only the U.S. and the world is so interesting. So there's so much innovation happening because of, and some of this was going, as we know, be, because of the shift over to e-commerce. But then with of COVID coming on and the shifting of buying patterns, it just changed tremendously of this uh, shifting of the way that we buy, the way that we do things as Americans, as the entire world. Specifically, I'm going to go back a little bit to shipping on this side. So of what started as we went into of COVID earlier in the year, and like most industries, most companies, no one was sure what was going to happen, a lot of shutting down, a lot of scary things happening. But then it completely shifted. And all of a sudden, a huge demand came on. The uh, mm -hmm. economy stayed, stayed above. People were still buying. We needed to consume basic goods as well as some other goods that we were doing because of living at home. And that's really changed things very, very quickly. Specifically to ocean shipping, I think what was found is that it's unfortunately still lagging a lot of some of this innovation areas. Example of things that's happening right now, especially in the U.S., there's huge backlogs of material that's trying to get imported. There's ships waiting out at side ports out in L.A., Long Beach, 
for days, things, things happening over to the East Coast. And what that's a product of, it's a product of an industry that really has not changed their model that much on the innovation and technology and the shifting of, of like forecasts and supplies. So it'll work its way through. It always does. The pipelines is, um, you know, it is efficient. Um, but I would have liked to see a little bit more innovation. I'm hoping what comes out of this now after these last few months on the standpoint of information flow. Take that there where a lot of these products have been coming from. And let's fast forward into other parts of transportation, going back to e-commerce. And you see, I mean, I think we have really quite an efficient e-commerce system in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now. Um, you know, looking at stats, I just got some things uh, uh, apart. So Amazon's up like 40% year over year. This is 20 yeah. on e-commerce and they were doing well anyway but it's, it's amazing but the ones that are really is like a walmart was up 65 percent so you think how do you how do you shift shift these things home depot was up 71 percent so you think if you're in charge of their logistics for a home depot and out of the blue i'm sure yeah home depot was focusing on e-commerce and looking at shifting of how they were getting their products out but then you have a 71% increase overnight. How do you do these things? And you need innovation. You right. need to be able to be able to be scalable, but also shifting of the way that you move your products around. Um, I give them a lot of credit. You know, who the heck can take those type of increases and be able to do it well? I'm sure they have a couple of blips here and there, but um, but a lot of movement, a lot of fast movement as well. So, so why do you think those companies have been able to, you know, talk about the, you said in the shipping industry, the innovation has been lagging a bit. Why have Amazon and Walmart, um, you know, Home Depot, why, why have they done so well? I mean, is there anything, I, how am I going to put this? The, the technology part of their business, I think I understand. From a transportation side, what how how have they been, been able to scale up you know because i mean a lot more goods that need to get a lot more places to a lot more people yeah yeah well one part too is let's be honest we've seen a lot of empty shelves in some of these stores too as you go mm-hmm. around uh earlier in the uh pandemic it was definitely true you know for the basic commodities like toilet paper and things that uh, got broken out but there's still as you go into some of these retailers if you're still going into the bricks and mortar store you are seeing some products that are not available so where they've done really well in some areas, they have seen some of these blips because of being able to get the imports in. So they, they're not totally uh, by any means just of have been, um, we'll say is totally eliminated or haven't seen any effects on it. On the basis of your question going into how they're able to do it is, uh, they're just, uh, for an Amazon, they do this and they know how to do it well and they just were able to, to, to scale it. And mm-hmm. I think what happened too is that these other retailers started e-commerce platforms, started e-commerce in the idea of that they were going to be shifting to it. So they had a little bit of an advantage of being nimble and being, I'd say, just more able to make this branch over with this with this drastic increase. It is, it, you know, it, it is technology. There's no question about it. It's that ease of technology. I think it's also maybe it says a little bit about the retail sector and how nimble they are sometimes in being able to make these changes and you got to give them credit for it. Um, we've seen other retailers that haven't made that and they've gone out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, maybe they're not doing the, of um, you know, uh, the home side of it that they uh, Home Depot does or Lowe's does for construction for different types of materials repairs. But at the same time, I think a lot of that was they were not thinking forefront 
nimble enough of the e-commerce side of how they could take advantage of it. And then at that same time, being able to survive uh, through it. So a culture, culture of the company, no question about that. Innovative part, no question about that. Um, seeing this as a part to, as a problem, being able to solve it and use it as an advantage to them. Um, going back to ocean shipping, one of the oldest forms of transportation in the world. I'm not putting them down that they didn't do a really good job, but at that same time, um, they're also trying to uh, meet new demands and, and new changes. I'm going to break out a little bit more. In fairness mm -hmm. to them, maybe they weren't getting enough lead time from some of their end customers being the retailers on product they were going to be having, let's say, coming out of Asia, coming out of these areas, and that caused part of these constraints. It is a global supply chain. There's no question about it. Right. Uh, yeah, you can't avoid that. I mean, sometimes people, you know, talk about, uh, you know, keep keeping things internal without getting into a, another discussion. Um, but yeah, you you can't. You, you, it's easy to say the, the supply chain should become less global, but it's just not. You know, Absolutely. kind of tough to actually make a reality. Um, okay, so back to the shipping industry. What what innovations? I mean, having seen it up close, what innovations do you think? would have been good ones to kind of jump on earlier. And I was wondering if some of those might apply to other industries. Um, in in regards to what's happened this past year, you're saying? Yes. The basis of it. Um, it's, there, there's no question. And it is a challenge in, in fairness for the shipping industry as well as those forecasts of what they're going to have loaded on their, on their ships. Mm -hmm. um, they receive that through uh, their customer being beneficial cargo owners. So this is maybe a retailer, it's a supplier or something. It might be through inter intermediaries being a freight forwarder or a 3PL, but do they have enough time in advance to understand the forward demand? And in fairness to them, the answer to that is typically no. Mm -hmm. So with that, not only do they have to have the ships being available, but they also have to have containers or other, uh, other parts that have to be there as well. And if you've read recent reports in the US, huge problem even on the export side because the shipping companies aren't keeping their containers here for exports. They're quickly moving them back to Asia mm -hmm. so that they can get them here and loaded goods. So, it, you know, and I'll go back to, again, it's information, it's the speed of information, the reliability of it is the thing that does, it, it helps them or, or doesn't help them in this basis. And I think that's the, the, the part that caused some of these constraints that we, we saw. What they were doing well though, is they were able to, bring on extra capacity quickly. So they were shifting it from other parts of their network, hats off for that, that's really good. And being able to bring it into where there was higher demand. Um, there's no question the US was part of that, maybe a little bit less on the uh, European side. And that that same portion of it too, how to be able to, uh, I'll say, be as efficient as they can in their network. That's described as vessels, that's described as their ports, and that's described as also uh, inland dynamics being rail and truck in those areas. It's complex. It's not easy. And keeping right. it all moving is not, is not easy. And let's not forget, early in the year, we had some countries or we had some areas where we were totally shut down for a few weeks, and it's mm -hmm. hard to get that pipeline going again. So what, to, to keep up in the transportation, what, what technologies are you watching? That, that are going to, innovation in transportation is going to require, I mean, you know, technology is an easy word to use, but, you know, right. we got to get specific about it. What what things, I mean, you know, we I mean, we talk on our end, you know, 
uh, electronic vehicles and charging and you know uh, and, and you know and technologies that that power you know we, we read about the chip shortage for right yeah. now that's going on yeah, with look at power. What technologies are you watching that that will affect the transportation industry the most? A couple areas on this. This is a great question. One is uh, it's always visibility to the supply chain is the big thing. You know, the visibility being where is my product right now and where I need to get it to. So that's one thing. And there's all different parts there that's making that happen or not happen. You know, we're spoiled with this thing. We can use this and we can go on. And there's certain types of e-merchants and they'll tell you exactly where your product is, when you're going to get it at your house, what's happening from that perspective. The global supply chain is not as efficient in that, and that's not always there. So there's no question is that that need, and they are improving on the basis of that location and the visibility that happens. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, though, let's go into some environmental areas of things that are very, very important. Alternative fuels, you know, and they are looking at, there's new vessels that are being manufactured, some that are actually of, of right now that are using uh, LNG and different sources, so much more cleaner types of fuels, which is great to see. On the land side, obviously, uh, battery-operated vehicles, we're going to see more cars, trucks, those areas. Very important and of uh, innovative things that we're watching, watching very closely. Um, there's even talk of, uh, of, as we talk about driverless cars, as of examining, can you have that in other modes of transportation? Trucks, can you have this on that side? And they're even looking at ships to a degree. Do you need the crew on the ship that you have as the side? So there's so many areas that I think very quickly um, the entire industry is looking at, but needs to see is of, uh, to come through, especially I think environmentally. Um, there was a shift to much more cleaner fuels uh, for the ocean shipping industry in the last couple of years. That's great. That's a step forward. Um, but I'd love to see of uh, LNG natural gas type powered vessels and others in the future that would just make it an extremely, extremely much more cleaner uh, industry for the entire world. So a lot of areas. So you talked a lot about vessels, vehicles, things like that there. What kind of a lift on the infrastructure side is that to be ready? Like, well, let's take the, the Port of Wilmington where you used to work. Like, right. What does the Port of Wilmington need to do to prepare for alternative fuels? Like, is it, you know, I mean, it, is it an extra 50 charging stations for trucks or is it, you know, uh, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you accommodate vessels that use more environmentally friendly ways of uh, fueling or charging? Yeah, no, it's a good question, and it's it's a um, a very complex question on that uh, of uh, standpoint, especially on the ship fueling uh, uh, side. Um, we have some areas in the U.S. where they're starting to do of uh, uh, some of this alternative fuels. There's different parts around the world, but that needs to be more supply, and that's an opportunity. That's really an opportunity. So I, I think for the basis of a a port, let's say Wilmington, North Carolina ports, how can you use this up as an opportunity? Is it something that wants to be invested in from a state's perspective of mm-hmm. having it that it's a place where ships can refuel and refuel with of a natural gas or an LNG type or, or of uh, that degree? Um, from a port perspective, I would look very closely at that standpoint of, okay, if we're having automated of trucks coming into the terminal, do we need to redesign that terminal then for an automated purpose? I see this as an advantage. I see this as a huge opportunity. 
Unfortunately, mm-hmm. sometimes as people, we're not always the most efficient of how we do things. So if you have an automated vehicle that could take instructions on exactly where to pick up a container, where to go for freight, and how to move around that facility, think of how you can optimize that. You can make things even much more efficient. That's really cool. Charging, definitely. Definitely, definitely. You could see that need, and you could see it as a revenue opportunity as well. It is well there. So there's a lot of different components of where uh, we can utilize more information, being in this case of a, if it's an autonomous vehicle, as a standpoint of, well, how can we, how can we exchange information when it gets to our gates that there's not going to be a person you're talking to, so it's much more automated, mm-hmm. that's speed, that's efficiency, that's saving costs, and within the yard, of utilizing it as to being the best way to get that truck in and off the premises as quickly as possible. So it's cool. A lot of neat things. Okay, so so let's say you're you're CEO of a of a transportation facility, mm-hmm. um, and and now you you used to you know you're used to dealing with uh, shippers and BCOs and things like that. Um, when, when the dizzying pace of new technology starts to, uh, come to you and, and you're dealing with, uh, uh, like fueling options, charging stations, I'm using that just as an example again, like if, if, as a marketer, if I have to tell a story, is it how? how do we tell a story without confusing the end customer? Because the the array of technology, like I I feel like you're going to be here about five different technologies a day. Yeah. Yeah. Market to you, you know, how do we need to evolve storytelling? It's, it's easier to, to communicate, you know, sort of the three things that have been, you know, companies that have been dealing with ports for a long time, but then I feel like the way the technology evolves so fast, it might be hard to communicate all of it. How do we need to evolve our storytelling to, to kind of make it easy, understandable, things like that? Yeah, no, it's a good question. It's not easy. And, and I think where you're going with it too, John, is this makes sense because there's a lot of different moving parts that's on it. So mm-hmm. one thing I've always done career-wise is listen to your customers. So that's the main thing. It's not setting it up on the idea that the customers will utilize it. It's on the basis of listen to your customers of what they need, what's going to help them run their business work with the innovative customers who are typically the leaders in their sectors because they're doing that for good uh, for good reasons and um and what's always good too is see what your peers are doing you know there's nothing wrong sometimes with copying copying where there's a mistake not to do it or if it's copying where things are is good but i always go back to kind of fundamentals of business and i think it really is is listen to your customers listen Mm -hmm. to what they're telling you what their needs are and i think a little bit where you're going to don't bite off more than you can chew um, mm-hmm. because it could, you know, that could really cause more of uh, issues. Try to set on a couple of main areas where you think you have the expertise, where mm-hmm. you're scalable for a variety of reasons, and then go after those things. And you know what will happen? You'll make mistakes, right. uh, but it's okay. Learn from those mistakes, pick up and keep going again. But above all, never stop that innovation or never stop that drive to being innovative because that's so, so important. Yeah. And it, I think it's extremely, I really do as I started, I think it's really extremely exciting times in supply chain logistics because of all this that's happening so fast. And I don't, this isn't going to go away. 
when we're all, and hopefully we all pray that this happens in summertime or in the fall, we're back to more normal lives. These buying patterns may shift a little bit back, but there's a lot of folks who never used e-commerce, never did these things before, and now are very used to it. And I think that's, we know it's not only here to stay, but we're going to, we're going to see it continue. Absolutely. Um, okay. So looking at, at the innovation you've seen in your career in, in the transportation industry, this is a, I feel like I'm inside the actor's studio with this question. <laughs> what advice would you give your younger self uh, based on what you've known it? Oh gosh, um, I think the uh, there there is no question that um, I always say this that if I'm talking to younger folks or just mentoring them in general, if it's college age others, is just continue to learn, always continue to learn. I think it's extremely important in a career that you're never stagnant. You know, we learn things when we're in educated. If it's in universities and our masters, that's all very important. But as we all know, not until you get on the job do you really start learning the practical skills of your profession. So above all, continue to learn. Don't stay stagnant. Don't ever be in a situation that you don't think that you're learning something each day is uh, as, as important. The other part I would say is you'll truly, and it gets up a question or nor all norms. It's okay to question all norms. And I would say to work in a company that embellishes that type of uh, thinking. If, if they're not allowing people to question what is the norm, how are you going to have innovation? And you need those two together. And I think that's criti critically important. The other thing I think that is as much too is, and um, it, it's, you know, it, it's just much more probable, it's much more today, is that basis of being able to shift into different positions, geographies in different areas, or you work mm -hmm. from home and you can do it virtual. And that I think is is, is uh, great as well, but never stop that process of of innovation, no matter how small it is. Innovation doesn't have to you said it doesn't have to always be high tech, it doesn't have to be the new computer system or new application. Innovation can be as basic as the way that you're maybe running um, your know, trucks in and out of a yard each day, and how can you do that better, and how mm -hmm. can you do it that you're more efficient? Um, and with that, I think you never get stale. You just never get stale because of always looking to improve. And if you don't and your company's not, I can tell you right now, your competitor is, and that's <laughs> how you lose you lose uh, businesses that way. <laughs> and that happens. Right. And um, so in future episodes of this, we're, we're, like I said, we're talking to experts in the transportation industry about yeah. different kinds of topics. What kind of, what do you want to know? Like, well, if, if I'm looking for guests, you know, you talked about um, alternative fueling. You, you've talked about logistics. Been all, this is in a wide range of conversation. Yeah. Is there anything you're kind of like in this industry, you're like, you know, wow, that's something I'd really like to learn more about because it, it's it's something that I'm really curious and, and, and uh, you know, I'm kind of really want to see where it goes and, and learn more about it. Yeah, you know, mine always is. I, I love to hear about the things that you don't um, that is really new and upcoming, and you don't and you don't hear much about. Like this is something that's, that's going on. I'll give you a, a basis of something that I was just reading about. There's this small startup company. They're down in Atlanta. They, they're called Relay Payments, and I was just reading some articles on them. Um, they picked up some of uh, uh, private funding, and it's a it's a basic thing in the industry. What happens is when a truck goes to a distribution center it has to be offloaded uh, right it makes sense they're taking products out and that portion of the service typically is not paid at the time of routing of of that movement of let's say a truck 
they call it a lumper payment in the industry. And the lumper payment is essentially that you're going to pay me to unload this of a truck at your facility. The reason why it's a variable is how you're going to do it. Maybe it's 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 um, different of uh, you know of, of you might be at different spots, those type of things. So it's a bit of a variable. This has been traditionally a very that payment scheme has been traditionally just uh, uh, just terribly just arcane. I mean, sometimes cash, sometimes different types of card payments. Um, the the invoice itself is part. And what these guys are doing is they're coming up with an automated way to uh, be able to um, to have the payment set and to send it and receive it with the two parties. A real kind of a, a basic type of a service of, um, and you could call it fintech, if you will, of something that's a small part of supply chain and, of, um, and they seem to be very successful with that. I think it's be a great way. It facilitates, it's automated. It's much more secure. Cash isn't involved, those things. Just stumbling, yeah. looking at some things, seeing it. Wouldn't have known anything about these guys otherwise. So those type of things I always love to hear about because those okay. are things that you don't typically hear, and I, um, I, I love those areas. Then, for me personally, I go on the other extreme and hear from the companies who have been out there, who you know who are names, who have been in the industry a long term time, and hear what they're doing and hearing where they're having their issues. Um, and where they're getting successes and what type of successes. So I'm kind of on both sides of that collar of the spectrum being that I think is always, it's always fun. You like to learn about what others are doing, which is, which is great, which is kind of cool, which you're saying, huh, that's, that's, that's interesting. Why aren't we doing it or how can we do it? So that would be some suggestions in all parts in where you guys are going in transportation. There's so many different parts of it that can, that can be involved, the different modes of transportation, different parts of logistics, retailers, manufacturers, all these mm-hmm. different raw materials, all part of it, which is, um, which would be fun. Yeah, everything in this is, you know, it doesn't have wheels or anything like that. You know, there's a <laughs> lot of uh, travel across some sort of, uh, you know, uh, it's not a vessel, it's, uh, you know, the technology and everything, like you said, yeah, there's a lot of tentacles to it. Um, Paul, you know what? I could do this all day, but I'm going to let you go. Um, thank great. you so much for your time. So, so what, what's what else is keeping you busy? By the way, what, what, what are you oh, working gosh. on? Uh, doing a little bit of uh, some uh, side things. Um, uh, I uh, teach at UNC System on um, supply chain logistics. That's part time, and that's very interesting. Because if you want to have people that keep you on your toes, have young students that ask all kinds of questions. <laughs> that definitely does. Of uh, is of uh, part. Uh, a little bit of pro bono work. I'm on the uh, North Carolina USO Board of Directors, and I'd like doing mm-hmm. that, which is fun. And it's in the veteran side, which I have a, a, a close kinship to for obvious reasons. Um, and then I started doing some other work with uh, some private equity of uh, organizations out of uh, New York and been doing some board work. So a little bit of here and there and just really getting ready to travel and do some other things as kind of a, of a, a semi-retirement mode that I'm in now. Gotcha. Well, uh, you know, we miss you as a client, but uh, love getting to talk to you for this, and, and I hope we can do it again soon, okay? Yep, love to. I love to, because it was great working with the HMH, and I say it openly. You guys are a great company, and you gave us some fantastic service, so heads up. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. Um, everybody, if you enjoyed this show and you want to listen more, please subscribe. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're watching and listening. It'll help us get the word out. We really appreciate it. 
To learn more about HMH, the Transportation Transformation Agency, visit us at hmhagency.com. You can find us on all the usual social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, stuff like that. Uh, for Paul Koza, I'm John Halpin. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back soon with a new episode of the Future Transportation Podcast.